In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, me and my guy, Leaf Tulin, we are going to share our thoughts on the rookies. I know it's preseason. I know guys have only played one, maybe two games. But we are going to discuss the early return from some of the rookies from the 2023 NBA draft class. Stay tuned because I know Leaf has some very interesting takes and we definitely want to hear how he thinks or what he thinks about Keontae George. Big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board. And like I mentioned in the open, I got Leaf Tulane, the guy that watches more college basketball than anyone else. But college basketball season hasn't started yet, but I'm sure he's keeping up with his favorite prospects from last year's college season. And we are going to discuss the rookies. But before we get into that, let's talk about Jace Medical because they are today's sponsor. You can empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case. It provides you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That is J-A-S-E medical.com. Please like, share, subscribe, comment. That is the best way to help us grow this channel. All right, Leaf, have you been able to watch a lot of NBA basketball? I know we don't usually talk about watching a bunch of NBA basketball on the show, but have you been able to watch a lot of the preseason games? Yeah, I've seen uh, seen the Jazz play both their games, and then I've been able to tune into a couple other ones just to see what the rookies have done and maybe and some of the newer teams just to see what a lot of you know, if a team's had a lot of turnover, I've watched them just to see if their styles changed, especially in the coaching scheme. A lot of the better teams um, on paper have coaches that I would say are either young or or just new altogether. And I'm, I was curious to see how they the new players would be implemented. And so uh, I've I've had a decent amount of time to watch some ball at night and I've, I've been impressed with a few rookies. And I'm eager to ch- uh, talk some ball and see if you, you and I agree w- about with uh, which rookies are are the ones that are standing out? All right, let's let's start off with Keontae George. Now you weren't as high on Keontae coming into the draft cycle. I think um, you were kind of, you you were at the NCAA tournament game and you expressed yep. your opinions, and then you obviously came around to it after summer league. What has been your 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 thoughts on his play so far in two preseason games? So I had Keontae as high as six before before the college basketball season. And then during the college basketball season, I started to drop him. I think I had him about nine or ten. And then I went to the March Madness game where he was terrible against UCB, uh, UCSB, and then against Baylor as well, uh, against Creighton as well for Baylor. And I, I kind of was like, okay, if he doesn't, like if he plays it this way, he plays this style, and I know he had a hurt ankle. I don't want the Jazz to take him. I remember having that conversation. Um, but then I watched his film from before his ankle injury, where the splits were very different. So entering the combine, I think I had him about fifteen. After the combine, I remember telling Richard as we were there. I believe you were there as well. You may have been filming, but Richard and I were on on those like little chairs at the side of the court, and we I was telling him I was like, man, he might be the best shooter we've seen in here. Um, so after the combine and when it was all said and done, I ended up having him 10 or 11 on my board. So 
I ended up kind of back in the same wheelhouse, but then summer league came around first half. He was just like trying to play point guard and not basketball, like trying to force rates. After that, he was sensational. He was the best rookie in summer league. I'm not yeah. saying I would take him number one overall in a redraft, but he was the best rookie in summer league. Uh, so far in the preseason, I think there's been a mixed bag. I think you see his um, coordination that that is rare. Like, you know, he's kind of got that scores feel where he he makes small windows look easy to navigate through. He gets to the rim. He, he gets to the free throw line. He's confident shooting the ball. He's missed a few dunks trying to posterize players. Um, and I really like that aggression. So despite his shooting percentage, he went two of nine the first day and uh, three of seven in the first, second game. Uh, that, that's not great percentage-wise. I've been really impressed with his confidence and the shots he's actually been able to manufacture for himself. So I, I would say I'm pretty high on him still um, coming forward. And the Jazz have an interesting guard situation. And, and one thing to monitor is if Clarkson comes off the bench, that leaves a possibility for Keontae George's growth to be um, accelerated because if he gets to the starting lineup, I don't think they would play together and you wouldn't be relegating Clarkson in that case. You'd be having him kind of retain his six man of the year type of candidacy. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, you got Colin Sexton, you got Horton Tucker. I don't, I don't know how it shakes out. If you had to make a prediction of what you think their, their starting lineup or rotation would be opening night, when everybody's healthy, what do you think it would be as far as their guards? I really don't know. Uh, <laughs> I you're the expert, man. If you don't know, then that means nobody. Probably I, I'm not sure anyone does. Yeah. I, I'm not sure the the coaches are set yet either. Right now, they've started Sexton and Tht um, in in the games alongside Markinen, Collins, and Kessler. My my inclination coming in the way that I would have played it would have been. Uh, sex. Uh, sorry, it would have been Clarkston, Clarkson, and uh, Agbaji, and played more positionless. But I would say the players played the best of the guards right now is Taylor Horton Tucker. So my my guess is it's Taylor Horton Tucker, and then I don't know if it's going to be Sexton or Agbaji alongside him. I, I I think I think it's more likely that it's not the two of them because the Jazz's offense has been a bit stagnant. But we'll see. I I really I wish I had a defined answer because this is curious. Chris Dunn's looked good. I just don't see him starting. Um. So so that's my guess. I bet it's Tht and Agbaji. But but who knows? This is this is a true. And I wouldn't even say fifty fifty. I I would say this is, you know, a twenty five percent chance for all four of those guys to start. All right. Before we get into Wimbayama and Chet, Taylor Hendricks. And Bryce Sensible. Now Bryce hasn't played yet, has he? No, he hasn't. And then Taylor, are you are you surprised that his role has been limited so far in the preseason? No, I I was on locked on Jazz uh, coming into this season, and I and I kind of went through the players that the Jazz have, and I didn't see that much of a glaring opening for him, uh, especially considering he didn't get a play and show what he has in the summer league. So I think he'll work his way into the rotation. I think he's a guy that will his role will be accelerated once he plays. It, I think he'll play well and his role will be accelerated. The way I pitched it is I think his timeline will be similar to that of Ochag Baji's last year where he spent some time in the G League and then he plays sparingly early on. And then once he gets a chance and then the Jazz towards the end of the year, I think he's going to play good minutes. Um, 
And, and I know some jazz fans are frustrated, but, but I believe, I believe in the jazz is staffed and in, in development because it really works well for Agbaji. And I think Taylor Hendricks is 19 and Agbaji was 22. And I think there's room, there's always room to grow for that type of player. Whereas Keontae George was someone who I think the, the kind of the flowiness of those, these type of games where he's just asked to do what he does well, um, takes less time to adapt than maybe what Taylor Hendricks is used to. Uh, and and then com- coming from UCF to go play for the NBA and be a rotational piece. I can't figure out where he's going to get this increase in minutes. That's, that's my concern for him is where, because I imagine that there's always going to be a situation where Collins and Markinen are going to be on the floor at all times. I think they'll start together, but I'm guessing they're going to stagger their minutes. And so you're going to have one of them on the floor with, with a good guard, whether it's Collins and Sexton or Collins and, and Clarkson or, or, or whatever. And so I wonder like, where are the minutes going to be for him? Unless Collins plays some five, I don't know. It's, it's going to be very interesting. I think he has an uphill battle. Yeah, I mean, I think minutes are going to be hard to come by. Uh, the, the thing that I would mention is it's not a guarantee that, like, Luka Simonic makes the team. Uh, I would say that there's a chance the player like Kelly Olynyk could be very coveted by some of the, the truest contenders because he's a very good shooter. Uh, he's he's a veteran. He's someone who p- spaces the ball, uh, spaces the floor, and he's a really good team leader. And I know the Jazz really like Kelly Olynyk, and, and I think he's going to play a big role early on. But I think there's a chance with the Jazz's timeline of, hey, we've got this many picks, we've got this amount of money, um, it's more likely that they prioritize their youth than they do some of their veterans unless they overachieve early in the season. And so in my opinion, I think the chance opens up later for Hendricks if there is a chance. And I I think the Jazz have the talent to make a a type of run um, because I think Will Hardy's a really, really good coach. But I think that that's a very real possibility that those type of players draw enough interest from the upper echelon of the NBA's teams um, that those players being Olenek and Clarkson, namely, um, that it opens up minutes for some of the younger players. Where's where's Sensenball? What's what's the deal with him? Uh, he hasn't gotten he hasn't cracked the rotation yet. And I, I don't I don't have any intel on that, but I think the guards are in such a battle for who's going to start and who's going to play rotation minutes that it doesn't allow for him to get his crack um, yet, at least. Ooh. All right. When we return, we're going to talk about Wimbenyama and Chet, which was a, a very interesting preseason game. I mean, the NBA scripted it out perfectly to have those guys face off in the preseason, but there's a little rivalry brewing between those two. All right, before we get into Wimbayama and Chet, I want to talk about Jace Medical because the Jace case, it provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes to get the Jace case is you just have to fill out an online form. And in some cases, you can jump on a call with a board-certified physician. You can get ongoing care from a, from a physician on any treatment-related question. It is doctor-created and doctor-recommended. So do not be caught unprepared. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. And Jace handles everything from online evaluations to a licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. 
And Jace Medical is simple. All you have to do is go online, fill out a form, and they get you a prescription, life-saving medication right to your door. The Jace case gives you peace of mind so that you are not just hoping that you have access to medication just in case there's an emergency. And Jace Medical, make sure you have the medication in hand. You can get $20 off these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using my code locked on at checkout. That is jacemedical.com, J A S E medical.com. All right, once again, big thank you to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. I know in our last episode, I promised that there would be an episode where me and my brother James talk about small guards and the future of small guards as far as being drafted. That episode will be out next because I figured we we had to talk about the rookies. We couldn't let another day go by without talking about some of the, the players that have made their preseason debuts. I know it's not the regular season. And the big one on the schedule was Wimbenyama versus Chet, a rivalry that I believe started at the under-19s a couple years ago where I think Chet won MVP, but Victor was the best player. But Kenny Lofton Jr. saved Team USA by getting Victor in foul trouble. I mean, these two guys are going to be compared to each other for the rest of their careers because they're both seven-footers with wing skills. They're long and agile, and they can do so many things on the floor. And it is uh, just a, a coincidence in the sense that Chet gets hurt, and now he's a rookie along with Wimbenyama, who a lot of people feel like they're going to be battling for Rookie of the Year. Different circumstances, of course, because the the Thunder are expected to make a big jump this year and, and be good while the Spurs are still in their rebuild. But I wanted to get your thoughts on the game. I thought it was very entertaining for a preseason game. I wish it was a regular season game where they would have played their 30 minutes. What were your thoughts? I mean... I wasn't surprised, but I was just struck by how fluid the two of them are. Yeah. Like you don't see the type of plays you see made regularly by Wenbanyama or Chet made by any other players. Uh there like and I'm not counting Kevin Durant because those of you he's like, oh, he's a seven footer. Yes, he's he's sensational. But aside mm-hmm. from Kevin Durant and e- I'm and this counts even Porzingis, these guys have more coordination than any of the other big guys and, and more fluidity. Um that play where when Benyama reaches back and strips the ball and then gets the ball up ahead and dunks it. Like I've never seen someone lunge that far to make a play and then just <laughs> run up a court ever. And I've watched basketball my whole life. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think that his ability to catch the ball on the move and shoot the ball was something I anticipated he'd be able to do. I remember we did a podcast probably about a year ago because we knew when Benyama and Scoot were, that the hot commodities and actually we, we both like Brandon Miller, but uh, we talked about best shooters and, and I made a pitch that when Benyama could be one of the best shooters in this draft because of just how rare his size is. That means he'd get open shots all the time because no one can contest and your big's not going to be that far out of the court. Well, man, like do you see the way he, he moves to his left or his right sets his feet and shoots the ball and like no contest is going to bother him. I was struck by that. And then as for Chet, Chet's got this like, intangible grittiness where he's going to play hard and make winning plays. And maybe he'll force a little bit because he's got such tremendous skills, but I think you can coach that out of him with Shea Gill, just Alexander in the regular season. And you, he'll just make these plays that you just can't 
coach that very few players can make. So I'm I'm extremely eager to watch both of them. I, I think they're probably two of the most unique players in the NBA, regardless of like size or or situation. And watching them play against each other was very fun to see. Yeah, I was tuned in to watch. I think Chet got off to a fast start. I don't want to say he probably had seven in, in like the first few possessions. And then I I think I had to go to the car for something. And I come back and Victor has like 14 points. And I think he scored like 10, scored 10. I went to the car and I come back here like 18 or something like that. But the first thing I was thinking of, this is the modern NBA. This is the NBA where you have two seven-footers that can handle the ball, knock down shots, move like wings, and protect the rim. The play where um, Jalen Williams, J-Dub, goes by Wimbenyama, and it looks like he has a layup, and and, and Victor rejects it. And then the Victor's dunk in transition where it's like, did you even leave his feet? Like, <laughs> it was that easy for him. And then Chet was bringing the ball up court. And like you said, he has his, his toughness to him. He's he's always been tough. He, you know, physically he's not intimidating because he's so thin. And a lot of people, before they really watched him, they thought, oh, man, he's, he's going to get bullied or he's going to get punked. But no, I mean, even if he does get bullied here and there, he, you know he competes. You know he's tough. And then um, there's like a little rivalry brewing because Victor made a move and Chet got called for the foul, I believe, and someone retweeted it. And then Chet made a comment about a headbutt. And then there was the play where it was like a dead ball. Chet made a move, and uh, and it wasn't intentional. It wasn't intentional at all. But he made a move. The the ref blew the whistle. Chet followed through. Goes up to shoot a shot. Victor kind of gives him a little nudge. Chet goes falling. And he didn't help him up. Not saying that he should. I mean, they're not teammates or whatever. But I could just tell that was a little there's something brewing between those two. Do you think this is going to be a rivalry that the NBA is going to market in the coming years? I think they're certainly going to market it. I, I don't know how the two will will feel about it in terms of how they perceive one another. Like the way I describe it is. I think they're amiable at this point, but both are extremely competitive, but they're of course going to be put against each other. They're going to be uh, slotted into a lot of commercials being, you know, Hey, here are these enormous guys with supreme skill. And, and I think eventually when the Spurs get better and the thunder appear to already be on the path to, to make the playoffs or at least the play in, uh, I think you're going to see this be one of the more, position on position rivalries that we've seen in a while like you could make the argument that there was like a Chris Paul and Steph Curry when they were but when they're on the Warriors and the Clippers and now they're teammates uh, and you can make some arguments for like Dwayne Wade and LeBron before when they were before they were teammates that they you and they'd play against each other you'd see it but those weren't even position on position like you'd see LeBron and KD but even that wasn't like marketed that crazily I think this is going to be the first one that it's like these guys are such anomalies that you now you have two of them, and I guess that takes away from the point of anomaly. But but they're so supremely rare that you you might as well market the two of them and have them be focal points of of what your marketing campaigns are for the NBA. Yeah, I think that is going to be 
I think it's going to be a really good rivalry that you can really market. I mean, you got, I mean, let's just be honest. You got black versus white. You got American versus international. You have Victor may put up better individual numbers because his team is not as talented, but Chet may end up being on the, the better team for the foreseeable future. They're in the same conference. I mean, I think that it is going to be a – I just think it's going to be a great rivalry that the NBA can monetize. And both are competitive. Like you said, both are competitive. And they're going to say the right things in the media to downplay it, but you can see that that there's definitely something there. All right, when we return, I want to talk about Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller and a few other rookies that made their preseason debuts. It's, it's still preseason, but their preseason debuts – But I want to talk to you about FanDuel because the NFL season is in full swing. And right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when they place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in the action. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, overs, unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. All right, last segment, Scoot Henderson. What were your thoughts on Scoot's debut? What, which I didn't like the fact that I couldn't find it. Like, you got to go back and watch the, the, the clips, like, I mean, it's 2023, almost 2024. There should not be any reason why an NBA game is not accessible on TV. So what were your thoughts on, on Scoot's day, debut? Yeah, this is one I couldn't watch live, but looking at the box score, looking at highlights, I would say that I'm far from surprised at, at how he played. Like he He played not that many minutes, but he was able to rack up assists due to his speed his kind of dynamic ability to get a paint touch out of out of you know standstill situations he just drives and he's right there and he generates it i was impressed with his vision and to a degree the patience i think he'll score better than he did but uh, i choose to kind of look at things that like you can't teach in these because i expect all these guys to learn and get better um but the fact that he was able to generate the looks he did for his teammates as easily as he did uh, stands out to me, and I still firmly believe he was the second best player in this draft class behind Wen Benyama. And so I, I'm pretty eager to see how he plays, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's averaging six plus assists in the regular season, even if the ball's in his hands enough. It, that's a question of if Sharp and and Simons take the ball away, but I think I think Scoot won't be asked to score as enormously as maybe you would expect for a team that drafted two, because those guys are individually super talented as well and i think that actually helps his long-term development but i do think scoots the gem of those three yeah i think well one i was shocked to see shade and sharp come off the bench behind matisse Thibel. and 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 it's going to lead to my next my next um topic is portland i know they re-signed them they they matched the Mavs offer sheet i wonder is portland like hey we're gonna re-sign them we're gonna start them early because maybe we can flip him for another asset for a team that's looking for for a, a wing defender 
And I think the same thing is going on with Brandon Miller. And I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on Brandon Miller. First of all, because, or one, Scoot had seven points, six rebounds in 19 minutes in a 40-point win over the New Zealand Breakers. Brandon Miller was selected number two ahead of Scoot. And he's not going to have the keys to his team like Scoot will. Brandon Miller didn't even start for the Charlotte Hornets. I wonder, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Do you think Charlotte is going to start Hayward? Because if you bench Hayward, you don't help his trade value to move him. Do you think they're going to start Hayward so they can move him, bring Miller along slowly? Or do you think that if they can't move Hayward, because it's definitely a, a, a risky move for a team because of his contract and his injury history, do you think Brandon Miller is going to come off the bench? Unless they I, play him at the two. That's what I would do personally. I would play Brandon Miller too. Um, I think he starts coming off the bench though. Is that crazy to you? The number two pick in the draft on a team that was not good doesn't start because you, you factor in event. How many games did miles bridges get? Was it 30? Yeah, I think so. So he'll, I mean, he probably won't be playing until what, January to January. I imagine they're they're going to ease him in the rotation. You got P.J. Washington and Hayward, and then at the two, they started Rozier. And so it, it seems like if they don't think Brandon Miller can play the two, then he's going to come off the bench. I, I don't like it at all. I mean, it really, to me, is like saying that, you know what, we believe we're better than what pick we had, which you're not. Like, <laughs> like it's not like the lottery helped the, the Hornets stupendously to get up to number two, and it was miraculous. No, they were a poor team. Yes, they had a few injuries, but you're really not that good of a team. You do have a cornerstone piece in La- and LaMelo Ball, but you're picking number two, and you want your guy – and, and it's not like they picked a number two who's like a intangibles guy. Like it, it's happened before where there has been like a, a class that's not been particularly rivet, riveting and they take a guy like, you know what? We know he's not going to fail. We'll pick him. We'll put him as a plug and play guy, but maybe we can ease him in, maybe, maybe get more out. No, this team, you picked a score. Like Brandon Miller is a, is a score. He's someone that can raise your ceiling and, and like his comparisons that everyone like we made, a lot of players made were like Paul George or Danny Granger. Those type of guys were in, impact players and scored a ton. If he, if he's going to try to be that, you got to play him. And so I, I think playing Terry Rozier, despite Terry Rozier being a solid player, it is detrimental to the Hornets franchise. And it's not like you're going to actually like ease him in better by having him be a sixth man. Um, so Gordon Hayward or Rozier has to go, in my opinion. All right. I, I agree. I just think it's very interesting. So I, I do think Charlotte is going to try to move one of those guys or maybe even both of them. But I don't know what message you sent. I mean, I, I felt like they should have played Mark Williams last year. If it oh, were up to me, and I don't even remember who they got for him in the trade, but I just felt like you, you're bad. And in their defense, I don't think they expect it to be bad coming into last season because they I think they won 43 games and got to the play in the year before so I don't think they expect it to be bad but I think once 
LaMelo was hurt and the season was going down the drain, then it was like, I just would have played Mark Williams. I, I would have made Mark Williams my guy. I want to talk about the Thompson twins. What has been your, your initial impressions of Amon Thompson, who's playing for the Houston Rockets, and Asor, who's playing for the Detroit Pistons? I mean, man, did Asor get thrown into the fire? He, he guarded Kevin Durant. Devin Booker and Bradley Beal and did a fine job. Uh, he was productive offensively while maintaining that workload defensively. And I didn't love the fit in Detroit. Like I knew they'd run and gun, but I, I think his best chance to be a superstar, which is like what you typically like to draft when you're drafting that high was to play the one himself. And obviously Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivy for that matter are, are the guys there. But uh, I was so impressed with the way he played. Like, I knew he'd be he'd be a consummate professional. I knew he'd be like a sponge and try to learn. And I just didn't realize how quickly he would be able to defend and play effective offense. I knew that he could do the one as a defender. And then, but playing off ball effectively, like using himself more as a cutter, um, really impressed me. Uh, I... I don't think he's quite got like a rookie of the year candidacy. I don't know if his numbers will be enough, but in terms of impact, I think he may have one of the largest impacts of any of the rookies. And and I've, I've said this before, so I'll just shoot my shot. I think Monty is going to win the coach of the year uh, in Detroit. And he's going to get the, the Pistons to the play in game. And considering that they had as high a pick as they did, that'd be quite an accomplishment. And I think Osor Thompson is going to be a large reason as to why. So here's my concern. They were missing Bogdanovich. Yes. When Bogdanovich comes back, because he played 38 minutes in a preseason game. I love it. <laughs> I love playing the, the, the young young guys out there. <laughs> that was interesting to me. Like, I'm looking like, is that a typo? 38 minutes in a preseason game. What is going to be his role when Bogdanovich comes back, in your opinion? Because I'm and I was surprised that they started Alec Burks. At the two, again, it's a preseason game. I, I don't know if that's going to be their opening night starting lineup, but they did start Burks over Jaden Ivy, and they played Ivy and Hayes together off the bench, and then Wiseman came off the bench. Bagley had a, a good game off the bench. I mean, they have some guys coming off the bench that probably feel like they're just that they deserve to be starters. But what do you think Thompson's role is going to be when Bogdanovich comes back? Well, I hope he starts alongside Cade because I think Cade makes life easier for you so much offensively. Uh, I'd consider playing Bogey at the four. Okay, so now you got <laughs> a log jam. So you got Isaiah Stewart. Yeah, you got Bagley. You got. <laughs> so what's I, your I what's your Pistons starting lineup? Well, what I think it will be. Uh, what different. what do you want it to be? Uh, I love Bogey. He was a jazz guy, so I want him to play and just help help the guys along. But I think it is really important to play your core together. So I would like to see Cade, Ivy, and Osor all play together, and then you figure out how to stagger them. And you know they they start together, and then I would probably play Ivy a little bit in his own regard with the ball. Uh, maybe you play him with Killian Hayes, and then you have Burks coming in the next, the 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 other unit with Cade and, and Osor. 
I would probably play bogey in front of Osor if I had to choose. I'd imagine Isaiah Stewart, because he's been able to add the three-point shot to his arsenal, plays alongside Jalen Duran. And man, I think Jalen Duran's awesome. I think Caden and Jalen Duran are just absolutely spectacular. And I'm excited about Osor. So I would I would like to see all the young guys play together. And then you got Marvin Bagley and James Wiseman fighting for their their uh, careers almost. And I'm not saying that to be hyperbolic. I, I really think that the one who loses that battle and is not really a rotation player is going to be, you know, fighting for scraps elsewhere in the league. Yeah. Um, and so, it, yes, there is a log jam, no matter how you spin it. But I think you probably play Bogdanovich to win now. And Osor off the bench, but I, I really like what he's what he did. I think he could be your defensive stopper and just play like an intangible glue guy role right off the way, right off the bat. And that's pretty rare for a rookie as highly coveted as he was. Yep. All right. Let's talk about Amon. I mean, talk about an interesting situation there too. Like the Rockets have a log jam at all positions as well. Like, are you going to play him over uh, Jalen Green? No. Or are you going to play him over Fred Van Fleet? No. Or are you going to play him over D- Dylan Brooks? Maybe, but probably no, not. You just paid him eighty-six million dollars. Yeah. Exactly. You don't want to. <laughs> yeah. And, and now, do you go small ball? No, you've got Jabari Smith, you, and then of course Alperen Shangun. So I and Tari Eason. Yeah, and Tari Eason, of course. And, and I just I didn't like that he went to the Rockets. Like as soon as the lottery fell, we we were in uh, Chicago at the time together. I remember making this remark. I was like, he's gonna go to the Rockets. I don't necessarily love it because they just don't play basketball the right way. Because, like, you know, you had Jalen Green, and now you have Shangun, and you have uh, Jabari Smith's going to be better. Easton was was really good as a rookie. And then they've got two established players to accelerate a timeline for what? Like, what are you accelerating the timeline for? Um, and typically, I like those type of moves. I just don't see it. And maybe Ime Odoka can spin the yarn in a way I can't foresee. But I just... Uh, I'm a little puzzled at how he's going to uh, just grow and, and make himself better. I think he can impact the game. I think he'll be a professional. I, I just wish I got to see him be showcased. Yeah, I mean, he was one for nine in that game. We've seen the clips where he showed some incredible passes. But I think luckily for him, and that's probably a, a poor choice of words, the Kevin Porter situation helped him out some as far as being able to play because I, mean, I don't know if Ime was going to be a Kevin Porter guy, but the GM was definitely a Kevin Porter supporter. It was going to make sure Kevin got his, his minutes or whatever, but I don't, I don't like the fit either. I actually talked to somebody within the Rockets organization and I was asking them, of course they didn't give me the answer that I was looking for, but I was like, in a fair, and this was like my thing last year about the Rockets, in a fair training camp, is there any way that if Dylan Brooks struggles and Amon or Cam Whitmore outplays him in training camp, is there any way that one of those two guys could get the starting nod? And the same if Amon is making all the right reads, he's defending like a madman, are you going to play him over Van Vliet, who you just paid a buck thirty? I mean, I didn't get the answer. I mean, I got a, a you know, a, a general answer, but in reality, I mean, I know Houston wants to win, and they want to do better this year, 
And I know they needed to sign some veterans, but I think that you got two guys that that are young that I think the general public would probably <laughs> like to see. But but they needed to put some structure on that team. All right, the last player that I want to talk about was Jairus Walker. I had a chance to watch that game against the Grizzlies, and he was knocking down shots. He looked really, really good. What were your thoughts about Jairus Walker? I loved that fit when when he got drafted and and he was falling when he went he didn't go seven and Bilal Koulibaly went seven. I got my hopes up and was just praying to the heavens that he fell to the Jazz. Mm-hmm. And then I saw that the the Pacers were the team that traded to eight, and I was like, "There's no way that they let a chance for Tyrese Halliburton not to have Jarris Walker on his team." And Jarris Walker is going to be the beneficiary of Tyrese Halliburton's just spectacular vision ability to control a game and now you ask him to play defense with a motor you you ask him to hit a few open shots have the ball and pass in space match made in heaven that was one of my favorite picks of the draft so uh with that all said i expected him to be very good i actually had a conversation with some uh utah jazz co-workers and and some superiors about jaris walker um the other day and and i i was saying that i really expected him to have a good role this year. And I think the Pacers will be better than some people expect because of how good Halliburton is. I'm not saying that they're going to be really, really good, but Jairus Walker scored 19 points. What What is he known for? Defense passing. Like if he's scoring 19 points in a preseason game and, and where it's, you know, it's convoluted, there's not much flow to the games. Uh, I really have faith for his offense, which is a lot of people's questions is how well does he shoot it? How well does his size translate to playing the four in the NBA? I think he passed both those questions with flying colors in a one-game sample size. His next game was fine. I didn't catch as much. I just saw the box score. But I I saw that game, and it impressed me. Yeah, four for nine from three against the Grizzlies. Nine rebounds, four assists. Now I just wonder what's going to happen with with him and Obi Toppin. (laughs) Who's going to be the four there? Well, that wraps up this episode. It's always good talking basketball with Leaf. Kind of pivoted. We're not talking about prospects, but we're talking about the preseason debuts of some of the players from the 2020 sorry from the 2023 nba draft class stay tuned for my next episode with my brother james and we are going to discuss small guards is it over for small guards in the nba as far as draft picks and then also james will be on again and we did two episodes on the french prospects we're going to share our thoughts on the spanish prospects in the 2024 nba draft once again, it's Rafael Barlow with Leaf Tulane, and we are out. Mm-hmm.